Do you wanna rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny. On Did That Do It For Ya? With Aurelia Grierson. Happening. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Do It For Ya. I am here with the incredible and very handsome Lawrence Turner Cordova. Oh, hi. Oh my goodness. What an introduction. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well, which feels so weird. That's a loaded question. I can't believe I had the audacity <laughs> to ask you that question. No, oh my god. The other day, um, sidebar, not to immediately start like dragging my friends on this. Go podcast, on, come on. The other day I was zooming with a friend and he asked me like hey like how are you doing and I was like I'm doing all right and he was like so like what are your plans and I was like what do you mean like for the day he was like no for like the future and I was like what a weird ass question to ask someone right now I was like I don't know what I'm doing Uh tonight (laughs) let alone like in the next six months was this like a relative what the fuck no it was just it was a good friend of mine so like he was Uh, looking out for me but also I'm like sure that's not yeah that's not anyone's <laughs> business, including yours at this moment. Yeah. Don't be asking me questions that I don't know the answer to myself. For the first the time thing. in my life, I'm living in the moment. <laughs> I'm not planning for the future. I'm letting it unfold before me. Yeah. Anytime anyone asks me how I'm doing, I kind of say like I'm a regular life for, so that's like a quarantine eight. It's all relative. But I've been like doing surprisingly well. I don't know if it's like... I still have a little bit of that, like, post-election serotonin, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, that I know is going to fade fade off once Joe Biden gets into office and we go back to shitting on him. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's been a, like, um, good energy couple of weeks, I guess. I feel that. I feel that. And not to, like, we can take this out if you hate this, but I obviously I creep on you on social media. And I know that, like... <laughs> I can, I can feel, I can sense some depressy. Absolutely. But I am happy that you responded to my texts and that you're here now. Uh, me too. Where in the world are you at this moment? I am in uh, Manteca, California, mm-hmm. in the Central Valley, where I am, like, from. So, like, I moved out of L.A. literally back in, like, the end of March. It was, like, right after COVID hit. I was working at Best Buy for a bit and then like they were like, okay, you have two weeks off and we're going to pay you while we like figure out what to do. So like I was was like, okay, well, I'm going to like self-quarantine for those two weeks and see what happens and just not go anywhere. And I had an inking suspicion that they were just going to like be like, you're not coming back. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to like plan to like move back to my parents' place if they don't ask me to come back to work. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And so I was like, living between two places for a while like mostly living here but occasionally going back to LA and then I got to a point where I was like there's no reason for me to be in LA I don't plan on going back there anytime soon uh Best Buy officially told me to like either come back to work or resign and I was like cool I'm gonna resign I'm not gonna move back to LA to work at Best Buy so yeah I've been here ever since and it's been like an up and down journey I feel like moving home is always a up and down weird thing but it's been mostly good for me I think it's like overall the right uh, it was the right call so i'm chilling oh listen i (laughs) a little a little bit to to make it about me i (laughs) was living in ireland for two years i had a really odd educational journey like very much due to like really poor mental health trauma and Mm. just like having really bad main character syndrome so i um (laughs) so i was like in ireland and i like graduated from an acting school there and uh, surprise surprise no one wanted me and i like had just this like total meltdown and i like moved home and decided because it was a certificate program so i didn't have a degree so i moved back home and went back and like start like went to finish my degree at my local university which is how i ended Mm. up at southern oregon university you shout out which is where I met Eric our mutual friend yes but like I was such a bummer baby about moving home at first I just like cried and cried and cried and then it turned out to be the best thing possibly for me and I think especially like during now the pandemic times we really need to like not ever shame anyone for moving home because if you can swing that that's like a pretty sweet deal exactly it's weird and I'm always like playing this balancing act of like trying to like acknowledge how like acknowledge and like remember like how incredibly privileged I am to like have a home and like 
supportive parents to return to. So, like, that's always a weird thing. And then, it, 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 yeah, it's, I don't know where I'm going. No, I was, <laughs> I'm just validating it's, it's your a weird choice. I'm validating but, your, your yeah. I think that, like, God moving home can be such a, it can be hard at first. And I think that's mostly because of, like, stigma attached to it. But I, mm-hmm. dude, moving home amazing i also have a funny story about best buy i want to tell you oh please <laughs> it's not actually about <laughs> okay i'll just tell the story <laughs> so my uh boyfriend wiley he <laughs> recently had a hankering to own a robe he wanted he wanted a robe that he could you know throw on while he's going to the bathroom in his house full of roommates or while he's like going down to make coffee he was very specific about the kind of robe that he wanted and so we were talking about okay well let's you know go into medford which is the nearest town that has shopping centers Mm -hmm. and we'll buy you a robe and he was like okay well like where do you think has that and then his eyes lit up and he was like best buy um No, fuck no. Best Buy doesn't have robes. Famously, a center of fashion <laughs> and uh, leisure. <laughs> Though I bet, like somewhere in the corporate side of things, there was like a gift bag one year that had like a robe on it that had like a little Best Buy thing, and I'm gonna fucking track one down. Weirdly enough, oh my gosh, I'm giving you like all the hot insider secrets about Best Buy. But like. When we were working there, they were like, we have SKUs for, like, everything. We have SKUs for, like, toothpicks. <laughs> like, they sell, they sell like, a ton of, like, random weird shit uh. that you can just, like, order from their, like, catalog. So, like, they might have robes. I'm going to find a Best Buy robe, and I'm going to get yeah. the Partner of the Year award for finding a Amazing. Best Buy robe. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mentioned I mentioned him already, already in this conversation, but how did, how did you and I meet? We met, what year was it? I think it was, like, 20. 2017 2016 that feels right one of those two i don't know around but yeah we we met through my gorgeous lovely friend eric whom i know from here in the central valley where we both grew up but yeah so i went to visit him in ashland and when i went he was like i have this incredible friend aurelia like you need to meet them they are the most incredible gorgeous (gasps) person in the world it's one of those things where like i could tell he was like was like i need to mix these friend groups because you two will like get along like gangbusters and it was the tea like I met you and like that whole weekend that I was there I was just like this is the coolest person <laughs> I've ever met and I'm like shocked at like how quickly they have um just like opened their heart to me and allowed me to be a friend it was um it was magical it was. to say the least it was magical I remember meeting you we went to um Creekside Pizza that was the the yes. bar but like yeah I remember because I'd heard of you and Eric I think equally on my end was like you should meet this person I, th- I think that you two would get along and that was a correct impulse I don't know we met and I was just like oh I feel like I've known this person all my life and I don't know if that's just because I am like a like level 10 flame dame meet another fam friend yeah absolute family also like I obviously you mentioned Twitter earlier yeah. and like that is where I have like 90% of my social interactions these days Me too. and it feels feels so weird because I'm always like, how much of an actual friend am I to these people who, who hit the little hard button on my tweets? And that's like the extent of most of our, of our friendship. I'm probably your biggest fan on Twitter. You have like a really I, solid Twitter. Thank you. I'm obsessed with your Twitter as well. You have the hottest takes and I'm always in your corner. Oh, thank you. Um, I follow your secret Twitter, your oh horny gosh, Twitter. Yes. <laughs> We can cut that out. We don't have to tell. I, I won't air that, but I love it. No, I like, I love the idea of people knowing that I have a secret Twitter that they don't have access to unless they know me and want to see me more deeply. And like, I was going to say, I think that's um, like going back to how like Twitter has cre- created these like weird parasocial yeah. relationships. It's like anyone that's like on my private Twitter, I like, it doesn't matter how much or how little we've seen each other. Like, I haven't seen you in person since like that time in Ashton yeah. three years ago, yeah. but it's like. Oh, but I'm like, oh, Aurelia is my friend. Yeah, no, I consider you <laughs> like, a friend. I'm like, no, Lauren like they is see, my friend. <laughs> they see my deepest and horniest thoughts. So. I love it. I would want to see, I want to see your Twitter, but again, I think I have too, like, I have too much main character syndrome where it's like, I feel that people need to see yeah. my thoughts. And sometimes I get so destructive in my own life that I'm like, I'm going to cause some drama today and tweet that actors don't read emails and make everyone really upset. <laughs> 
I I think I have like named it recently. I have like supportive side character syndrome who is going to get like his full arc in a couple seasons. Oh my god. <laughs> Everything's about to come up Lawrence in like some seasons or another, but like it's right now he's still He's still hiding in the shadows and he's still getting those like lines that hint at the fact that he's going to be a main character later. So we in are series, in so. cheers right now, but Fraser's coming. Yes. Period. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, this is the Sexual Awakenings podcast, the podcast where we talk about the media that made us horny for the first time. Yes. So uh, I will let you introduce what we're talking about today, but I was very excited when you wanted to talk about it because this is something that I don't know very much about. So I got to kind of uh, learn. Yes. What is it, Lawrence? Tell us. Yeah. Okay. So I am a big old uh, gay marina. I don't know if we mentioned already, but like I just started a podcast with Eric about like queer. It's very like in line with this this podcast because it's all about like things that queer gamers identified with at a young age or like games with queer themes and tendencies, etc. How much can I say queer in a like long and drawling tone to like make it sound like I'm thinking about it? Queer. Queer. (laughs) ASMR for queers. So I thought of, like, two separate things that are both, like, kind of video game related. Um, one of them I told you, the other I didn't. So I'm going to start with this little anecdote. I love the anecdote. Okay, so picture this. I am 8, 9, 10 years old, around that uh, age. And I go over to my friend's house. Uh, he lives across the street from me. We're, like, childhood best Judies. And I, like, would go over to his house all the time to, like, play video games together. He had a GameCube, and I was, like, always just, like, on it with him you know, mostly watching him play because, you know, I was a little gay boy who just watched his straight friends play video games. Oh my god. (laughs) So he was playing the video game Tony Hawk's Underground 2. (laughs) A skateboarding video game. And basically in this game, you could create your like little, you could create your little skater and like customize their clothes, customize how they looked. Uh, And so like I was playing with him and he was customizing his character And one of the options that you could do in this game is choose to have your little skater guy take off his shirt and (laughs) take off his pants. (laughs) And so I was there with him and he like made his character like be in his underwear. And it was like this weird, very intimate moment of like, we are both these little 10 year olds sitting in front of like his little CRT TV looking at this shirtless polygonal (laughs) figure (laughs) of like some Tony Hawk knockoff. And when I tell you... (laughs) My little wiener got so hard. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Tony Hawk. So yeah, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. That's not what we're talking about today, but I do want to spend some time discussing it. I think it loops back into like why I am the way I am. Yeah. The Tony Hawk of it all. The Tony Hawk of it um. all. <laughs> well, I mean, there's something about. Um, I think even just like the situation, I don't know if you had a crush on this person necessarily or what, but like there's something very much that like happened in my childhood and like growing up and like particularly around like that age of of puberty happening was that like discovering these things alongside your friends and like the moments for like the solitary moments that were just by yourself and like the moments that you also shared with your peers and your friends and other people and the kind of merging of the public and the private like exploration yeah and just like sometimes stumbling into those moments on accident (laughs) just exactly like the tenderness of that yeah like I hadn't planned on like sitting in his room and like staring at a shirtless man with him but like (laughs) there we were and (laughs) and it was just like this like glorious like you said very like private intimate moment mm-hmm. that like felt weird I, I can't like qualify whether or not I had a crush on him but like there was definitely like a lot of homoeroticism like going on in my brain mm-hmm. between him and I I think at one point when we were like four or something we also like pretended to get married and like played pretend and like were were married to each other so like there was there was a lot so that, on he, there. he was that friend for you yeah I also reconnected with reconnected with him like recently like a few years ago like uh, he moved away when I was like in third grade mm-hmm. or something but like we we caught up and like talked about how we like we both bonded over video games in a weird Aww. way I don't think he's queer but anyways who it's, knows nice with, with friends regardless of what they've got going on <laughs> I love that so Tony Hawk but that is not what we are here to discuss but not this is not the meat no. of the episode so to speak that's not the meat it'll tie back around but what we are talking about is uh the Legend of Zelda Woo! specifically the protagonist Link, yes! um, 
our courageous hero. Our courageous hero. Okay, so I have some info about the game that I'll spew yes. off. I'm sure you already know and could tell us all of these things, but this is my job. <laughs> <laughs> the game was, oh my God, actually, maybe you should do it because I'm not confident with these names and I feel like you maybe are. Um, wait, no, go for it and I'll like gently, <laughs> gently correct. <laughs> I, I'm like, white, wow, in no. case you didn't know. Uh-huh. Um, created by Shigeru Miyamoto, yes. Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. It was first released in 1986 and licensed by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game centers on uh, Link, a young Hylian, and Zelda, the mortal reincarnation of the goddess Hylia. Through the, the the backstories differ from game to game. It's all usually based around Link having to save the kingdom of Hyrule from the evil warlord Ganon. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, everything is perfect. I did it. You're a true gamer. Oh my god, I'm what they call a so- <laughs> I'm a, I'm a soft gamer. I'll talk about this when I guest on your podcast inevitably. Yes, can't wait. Mm. I asked Eric specifically if I could talk about Stardew Valley. Oh my gosh. I have a dramatic tale about my playing of this game and I I really want to share it with you. I can't wait to talk about Stardew Valley with you cuz I'm also obsessed, I'm obsessed but with ooh, we'll save, save that it, for another save podcast. It, save it. Um, <laughs> by the way, I don't think you said the name of the podcast. The podcast is Gay for Play, and yes. it's such a fucking great title. And I consider it the fun, cool younger brother of that Do It For You podcast. Absolutely, I can't take credit for the name that was all. Of Eric. course. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think it, it may be a little bit of the Catholic guilt, but like I'm a little prudish when it comes, ah! when it comes to things. And I was like, Gay for Play is that like too much? Is that like crossing a line? And Eric was like no it's clever and it's good and so far we've gotten it's clever clever. and it's good i also i love the cross behind you i i could the catholic guilt is like looming (laughs) it's truly looming over everything i do my room so like i said i moved back in uh with my parents so like when i was away my mom converted this into like a prayer room (laughs) and i'm lazy and still just haven't redecorated so there's still like crosses and like pictures of jesus hanging around and it's 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 um very um oppressive i fucking here's the thing i as a jew i feel a a weird kinship with catholics they're one of the things that feel jewish but aren't in this world yeah i think you know it's like that shared kind of guilt situation though you guys have shame which i don't think jews quite share in that but you know there's yeah it's a shame culture. it's a shame culture rather than a guilt culture it's different yeah um but it's it's linked. I I mean, I, there are certain certain white Catholics I really can't, but I do. I love Italians and Catholics of color are my people. Yeah. But um, wow. Sorry, I have ADHD and it. <laughs> wow, what a tangent. <laughs> Me too. I can just like go it just off goes everywhere. Um, but I consider myself a soft gamer, meaning I really like games that are soft, and mm-hmm. I have you know been playing The Sims. Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, like these are the games that are essentially chores I really like and like living life. And I've heard that Breath of the Wild is kind of this, but like I think because there's like kind of a... Still like combat. Yeah, I've never played Zelda and I've never, I've I've watched people play Zelda, but I, I, uh, this is not something I'm too familiar with. So uh, Mm -hmm. I would love to know like your earliest memory of Zelda and sort of what this means for you. So my first introduction to Legend of Zelda was the um, Nintendo 64 game, Ocarina of Time, which is, like, one of the, like, most iconic games of all time. Like, uh, it was the first time that this game was, like, in 3D, and, like, it kind of paved the way for 3D gaming. And so, like, that was my first experience with the game. Uh, The first... I, I don't think I owned it. I think I, like, borrowed it from a friend and, like, played some of it. The first one that I played a ton of was The Wind Waker on the GameCube, which is, like, the next one afterwards. That one is really cute. It has, like, a really, like, cartoony art style. It's the first game that had Toon Link, who was, like, a very, like, cartoony <laughs> version of Link. The whole game is, like, cel-shaded and really colorful and really, like, really gay, too. <laughs> it's, like, it, it takes place, like, on an open, like, sea, and so there's lots of pirates Ooh. and lots of, like, it's very nautical themed. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, I've always really loved this game. I, Like you said, it's kind of this, like, basic adventure story of, like, guy with a sword goes to, like, save the princess from, like the evil guy and it's a little problematic too because like ganon is like always either like boar pig monster or like 
a dark-skinned, burly man. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. like, it's weird. It, yeah, it's very not not great, but, like, he's an iconic character <laughs> in his own right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, like, really just gravitated towards this game because it's this, like, sense of whimsical, fun adventure. And, like, you talked about being a soft gamer. I've never really been into, like, hyper-violent games either. And I feel like Zelda was kind of, like, meeting in the middle where, like, you are attacking things with swords, but it's, like, you're attacking skeletons and, like, these weird lizard creatures and like there's not really lots of blood and gore especially in those early games it was kind of just like left to the imagination and it was more about like the like grand fantasy of it which i was like super into i love that yeah i I know Mm -hmm. i've been told by so many people that i would really love breath of the wild i'm a horse girl so naturally yes i would um yeah i concur with that too i recommended another one of my friends i'd say also like aligns with your tastes in games where she like she's obsessed with animal crossing i play with her all the time we play play animal Animal crossing Crossing, okay well at the end of the episode (laughs) well i have your friend i have your i have your nintendo friend code we just haven't like made yeah we haven't visited each other's towns yeah again it's just that trepidatious are we really friends thing let's just like establish (laughs) right now we're friends it's okay we are we're both creatures of the internet so i think it's like okay that that is where our friendship (laughs) primarily lives that's where i'm more comfortable anyway so this is fine truly um but anyways i was gonna say like she i also recommended breath of the wild to her because it is very animal crossing in the way that you just like open world field Mm. and and collect bugs and fish (laughs) That's my favorite. Um, I just But it does have that like yeah, it does have that combat aspect to it too. But honestly, I think that you'd probably dig it. I, I wanna say a quick sidebar. This is gonna be so full of fucking uh-huh. quick sidebars. Um <laughs> but I like one exception, I think, to my like well, maybe there's like two exceptions to my soft mm, I'm gonna save this story for your podcast. I wanna tell it. It that's it's more for that. Oh work. Now I'm brimming with excitement for this because i have like my next question is what exactly about the game did it for you what what turned you on about legend of zelda and link specifically yeah so it truly was the protag link who is like always silent he's a silent protagonist (laughs) never talks um we love a white man who doesn't (laughs) speak (laughs) oh man But yeah, truly, he's like this like brooding, brave, courageous guy who's like, like he never speaks, but still has like this like personality to him. Like you can tell that he kind of like is uh, always kind of saying like "fuck you" to like everyone around him, and it's like it kind of just like doesn't really take shit, and it's, it's kind of just like this like passive observer. But I think specifically what did it for me about him was two things. In Ocarina of Time, you start the game like as a kid. Link is, like, he lives in this village of these, like, little elf creatures called Kokiri. I'm going to um, pause you just for a second. My boyfriend is, work. like, being very insistent that I pick a, a sushi roll to order for dinner tonight. I don't want mi- to miss my window of opportunity, and I don't want to not <laughs> listen to you. So just okay, one perfect. second while I look at this menu here. Also, let me know what you order. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm trying to remember what I like from here, specifically. I mean, eel and eel sauce is my favorite food in the world. Cause I'm bougie. Um, but they don't really have that here. So, hmm. I want something. Should I go with the taiko, which is a shrimp tempura crab topped with salmon, lemon? Yeah, I definitely want this. Oh, that sounds Yeah, good. I'm getting the taiko. Okay. That's done. So, you were talking, talking about the, 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 the villagers called Keaton. Yes. <laughs> So Ocarina of Time, it starts, Link is in this village with these little, like, elf creatures who look like him called these Kokiri. Uh, and basically they're, like, these children of the forest who never age and they all have, like, a fairy companion. But yeah, so, like, uh, in this game, like, the it, it opens because Link is um, this kid in the village who is, like, the only children of the for- child of the forest who doesn't have a fairy companion. And so he's, like, ostracized by the other kids. He's like, you don't have a fairy. Like, you're not one of us. So it's like... Very much that, like, othering. I didn't realize it was so dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so finally, like, um, a fairy comes to him and, like, tells him that, like, hey, you're actually not, like, a child of the forest. You are a Hylian, which is, like, the human race. You let me save Hylian like a damn fool. It's, I think it might be Hylian. I don't know. I truly don't know. There's, there's no voice acting. In okay, great. <laughs> so, like, he learns that, like, oh, he's truly not like the rest of the kids and is actually called for this great adventure. And basically is, like, called upon the gods to, like, go fight Ganon, the evil dark man. (laughs) 
And halfway through the game, he, like, reaches this temple called the Temple of Time and, like, gets the Master Sword, which is, like, the strongest sword in all of existence. It's the blade that will, like, cast out the darkness. It's very, it's very traditional fantasy tropes, but it's great. I love it. And when he pulls the sword out of the Temple of Time, he gets frozen in time for, like, seven years. And, like, next thing you know, lo and behold, he becomes this, like, long, uh, sprightly teenager. (laughs) (laughs) who's like an adult and so i think and i think finally getting to it that's what did it for me is like seeing this like child become this adult and being like "Ooh, i've been playing as this guy the whole time like i didn't know he had these like masculine wiles that's yeah i mean how old were you when you were playing this Ooh, i must have been probably around the same age as tony hawk era oh that makes yeah Yeah. i mean that that Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think there's something. I mean, I, I I reference my sister a lot, and I have to say that I love her very much because I was kind of mean to her in one of the last episodes, and I felt really bad because I love my sister and she's everything to me, and my whole childhood was about like wanting her approval and all that. And so watching her do puberty first mm-hmm. was watching her be like really obsessed with these stories about girls who are coming of age, and like it has absolutely like imprinted on me in such a profound way that I've made my whole career about it and um (laughs) but I think there's something about like specifically when you are like young watching these transformations and Mm -hmm. being like on the cusp of that and there's something like I think the intrigue of that and then also just like burgeoning lust combined with that I think it's yeah. a lethal combination yeah very that I'm the oldest sibling so like I think for me oh, you had to like, go it alone yeah I had to go it alone it's like these my first exposure to these things but yeah I am a slut for like <laughs> anytime a anytime a video game or a series does like a time jump and like all the characters get older like my immediate point of reference is my favorite anime Naruto <laughs> yes <laughs> which you which I've listened to the pod. You are not a big anime head. Am I correct? That's not to say... (laughs) That's not to say that I, like, don't have, like, deep respect... And yes. for that, I just, I mean, you've heard the story if you, if you listen to the pod that like, I kind of, I made a false choice for myself when I was young, yeah. when I was lonely Which and is so valid and weird. Because, like, I was already really sad and weird. I'd been like, ugh, I'd been like. You didn't want to get more sad and weird. You didn't want to get more sad and weird. Be othered more. I was so othered. Yeah. I like showed up in middle school, like straight out of two years of like alternative schooling, which I like was forced to do because <laughs> I was forced to go into alternative schooling because my dad died in third grade and second grade I was eight and then like later that year I broke my leg and so I was like going Ooh, through it rough year and the school yeah. just like d- didn't really know how to handle my big mm-hmm. big feelings and I ended up throwing my crutch like hurling it down the school hallway <gasps> at like a girl and it like hit her in the head and she like fell and <laughs> Oh my god. I, like, I was like having these like absolute fucking meltdowns in school and then I got violent and I uh it was <laughs> I had to go to a different schooling situation. I was also like oh, a big wow. horse girl so like it, it meant that I could spend more time at the stable which was fine with me. But <laughs> <laughs> so in like in my alternative school there was lots of people who were really into anime so I was like I flirted with that but then i went with the anime lifestyle yeah, when i got to middle school i was kind of like oh no i'm so weird i'm so weird and there's something like happening right now where the early 2000s fashions are starting to like come back into style mm-hmm. because of gen z and it's so hard because i only associate those looks with like so much internal pain yeah and just trauma of like being young and ugly and weird and so like when i see people like young people being like oh my god i love this like early 2000s look i'm like no i wore that and to picture day and it is painful to think about yeah it brings up some bad shit but yeah to go back to the topic at hand so would you say watching link grow up you kind of felt yourself reflected in that process and the burgeoning desires i'm i'm riffing here so this is like completely improvised the burgeoning desires that you felt were reflected in the game because i know doesn't link aren't link and zelda supposed to be like kissing or something yes Ooh. Now that you mentioned Zelda, it's really interesting because in that game, once Link becomes an adult, yeah, there had been this, like, flirtationship between Link and Zelda, who were both kids for the first half of the game. And then in part two of the game, Zelda is, like, nowhere to be seen. 
But this, like, androgynous ninja shows up named Sheik. And, it, like, Sheik presents, like, as, like, a male figure and, like, everyone refers to him with male pronouns. And, like, Sheik becomes adult Link's guide throughout the oh. world. And you find out that, lo and behold, spoiler alert, Sheik is actually Zelda, like, in disguise, <gasps> like, in full, like, mask ninja drag. <laughs> so, like, a lot of, like, what gender, queer? gender bending, yeah. queerness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is also this person who had been, like, kind of flirting with Link and is now serving, like, as a guide for Link in this, like, very masculine way. So, like, that's a very thing that interesting thing that I hadn't really even thought of until you, like, mentioned that's... their relationship, which is so interesting. Oh, you gay. <laughs> it's very gay. That's so um, amazing. I didn't know that. That's exciting. You don't have to answer this next question. I'm just, like, curious. When did you uh-huh. know you were queer? Ooh, that's a good question. I think there's a part of you that always, like, knows, but, like, can't name it until later. I think it wasn't until, like, sixth or seventh grade, which is interesting because I have another Zelda moment to talk about as, like, another, like, puberty formative thing that happened around that time. And it's that other video that I <laughs> <Yes>. sent you. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Um, okay, so this moment is from uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which came out in, like, 2005, 2006, so, like, when I was, like, in, like, sixth grade or something. And I played it on the Nintendo Wii, so that was a moment. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so in this game, Link is, like, an adult teen in, like, this entire game. He doesn't start as a kid. Um, but he's, like, still... In every Zelda game, like, you can tell, like, oh, this is Link. He's the guy who wears, like, the, like, green hat and the, like, green tunic. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of just, like, his iconic get up but in this game there's a section where you have to like go to the this like race of of like mountain golems called these gorons who are like these big like rock creatures and in order to like progress past that point of the game you have to like challenge one of them to like a sumo wrestling match (laughs) so what happens in the game is you have to go back to like your hometown mayor who's like kind of this like father figure to you uh, and he teaches you how to wrestle and so suddenly uh, Link, who you've known as this, like, green-clad, like, warrior who's, like, very chaste, even though he's, like, strong and, and, and light. <laughs> um, suddenly, like, it, there's this cutscene where you're learning how to sumo wrestle, and Link fully just takes off his shirt, uh, <laughs> and is, like, wrestle like, getting down and dirty wrestling, like, slapping skin on skin with this man. <laughs> and so that came to me, um, <laughs> like I said, in 6th and 7th grade when I was, like, starting to, like identify my queerness for the first mm-hmm. time and so i was like "Ooh, interesting this is further awakening something deep inside I, of me. I love it i love that like both of your kind of moments of realization happened mm-hmm. about like men in video games being shirtless being shirtless <laughs> which yeah. like when you think about it is actually like pretty like that's pretty pc they're like in video games and it's like four children and it's like okay they're not like necessarily presenting in a sexual situation but like your brain is like skin mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, like, this, like, little male avatar that I've been, like, controlling and parading around for so long is suddenly presenting to me in this, like, weird pseudo-sexual way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very... It's fascinating. And then there's something about, like, your body in there, too. Like, and I know, like, Mm -hmm. as myself as, like, a queer person and, like, being... Like, I came out in eighth grade, I think, um, Mm -hmm. like, to my family and the world. But it was, like, like you said, it's, like, it's present long before then and there was i remember that i haven't talked about this on the podcast yet i remember watching the pokemon animated series and just misty's everything and just like thinking about misty's long legs and like i even as a child was very tall and so i was like my Mm -hmm. long legs and just that like kind of like knowledge that there's like a sameness about this Mm -hmm. moment and that is something that excites you and attracts you and that is like really interesting to think about just like this avatar of yourself and not saying like, Oh, I'm turned on by myself. It's like, but there's something inherently queer, I guess, about recognizing a sameness in you as like an avatar in an avatar that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think the reason I gravitate toward or I gravitated towards video games so much is because like, I think too, like I had a lot of like body issues as a kid that like I'm only now starting to relinquish And, like, I think video games always provide this, like, sense of transportation of, like, I am not, uh, I'm not here in my body. I'm, like, fully immersed in, like, this world in front of me. And so, like, what I am controlling is becoming, like, an image of me. And so, like, and I think it's interesting because I think there's, um, 
with Link especially being this like tall white man, <laughs> whereas I was this like short little brown kid. <laughs> I think there was a lot of like weirdly internalized stuff about you know my shame in in the color of my skin that I had to like grow through. But yeah, it's it's interesting to think about like how these uh, pieces of media became these vehicles for us to like. Um, escape into and uh, escape from our bodies absolutely I love that I love that and I did watch the the clip you sent me of the uh the wrestling there is (laughs) yeah there's just skin on skin (laughs) slapping (laughs) and you just push the guy the sound design (laughs) is like so it's literally like a (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so funny (laughs) Yeah, and what's great is, like, I mean, I played that scene and I was like, ooh, I love this. And that happens, and then, like, you have to do it again later in the game when you, like, actually go and fight them. And you're just like, ooh, I get to, like, see this again. And it was like, I remember, like, savoring it as a kid. I was like, wait, I love this scene. Like, I don't want it to be over. (laughs) I love that. That's so great. (laughs) I mean, Link is a... Link the twink. Very much. Link the twink. Well, it's interesting because, like, I mean, in in the here and now, like, I mean, I, I don't care about body type. I like, And truly, I, I will fuck men of all shapes. Oh, wow. That's so inclusive of you. <laughs> so, like, I I don't know. I don't think that was, like, a big part of it. Your your question, I'm assuming, is, like, is, is Link, did Link kind of shape your, like, yeah. sexual preferences yeah. and identities? And I don't think he necessarily did, but I, I definitely still am attracted to, like, brooding, kind of quiet, silent type. Not necessarily, like, Link's body type, but, like, his personality, which is, like I said, a white man who doesn't talk. The dream! <laughs> if only, if only um, he would not do that. <laughs> and like I said, I think Link has a lot of, like, silent charm and personality to him. Like, there's a lot of humor to his character that, like, is explored through the fact that he doesn't verbalize with anyone. <laughs> And I think I'm really into that, like, silent humor of, like, being able to, like, criticize someone with just a glance. Yeah, I think that is kind of what is, like, carried into my taste in men is, like, silent judgment and humor that you can use without using your words. I'm fascinating. very into that. That's fascinating because I would definitely consider you to be, like, a wordsmith. You are, your humor is very verbal and very witty and very, like, language-based. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being, as someone who also considers themselves uh, a, a a verbal language based mm-hmm. humorist it's a lot of work and it's like stressful yeah. and like there's it could be just like something like oh the effortlessness of being able to communicate non-verbally sounds fun yeah and what's interesting is like i think the people that i that i laugh at the most are like very brevity is the soul of wit <laughs> like i am so envious of people who can like create the funniest tweets out of just like three i words. know <laughs> i like envy that like level of humor um, cause I feel like I'm like too wordy, like even on this podcast, I'm just like, am I just like rambling into, no, my favorite, pe- <laughs> my favorite people to interview are the people who also have ADD. So I'm just like out oh, here, what? like, oh yeah, we'll go on this tangent uh-huh. and we'll come back. And like, that's always the best. And I don't know, like I, I'm a mouthy little Jew. So I just like, <laughs> I, that's like Jewish humor is very like verbal and fast mm-hmm. yeah god you ever just see a tweet that you like see it and you're like god i wish i wrote that tweet i yeah <laughs> there... also there's i i hate to sound egoistic no i no! <laughs> i should be twitter famous i should I have agree. so <laughs> I, I should have way more followers on twitter.com and i know that's not something that i should um place value in but it's like Girl, literally, I'm so funny and so charming. I completely agree. <laughs> I, like, realize I tweet like a person who has a lot of followers, but I, mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> I like, if I get, like, 30 likes on something, I'm like, mm, I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, you'll have an opportunity to, like, plug your your Twitter here in, in a moment. Thank you. Is there anything, I mean, you kind of brought this up earlier, but mm-hmm. oftentimes with media from our youth, you know, the 90s, early aughts, there's, you know, problematic stuff that we would mm-hmm. like to, you know, reject in in our kind of current day life. And it, besides, you know, Ganon's race, or we can talk about that more if you'd like, yeah. is there anything about these games and these formative experiences that you feel like maybe you looking back now, you're like, oh, no, that's that's not good. Yeah. I do want to dig into the Ganon thing a little more because I, I feel like I 
glossed over it lightly and kind of want to give it its full heft. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it is kind of shitty that, like, black people are so underrepresented in video games. And when they are, it's often negative. And so, like, for the, like, incarnation of evil to be, like, one of the only black characters is, like, really shitty. Long story short, there's, like, more, like, brown-skinned characters, but they they are also, like, kind of roped into these like tropes of like middle eastern exoticism and like it's it's very not great mm. otherwise i think the whole concept of the game of being like this male chosen one hero who like has to save the princess is like a little shitty there's never been a zelda game where you can like control zelda actually there, there have been a couple but she's never like the star and it's a very like masculine tropey thing of like guy with the sword saves the day that i think you know, there's more interesting stories to be told. And, like, even though these games were very, like, whimsical and campy and had so much so much interesting stuff for me as, like, a young queer child, like, I think the core of it is still a very, like, patriarchal thing that, you know, there's, there's more interesting things to be told in games. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I agree. Uh, you recommended a game to me that I'm almost done with, and I've been, like, kind of dragging my feet because I don't want it to be done. Uh, but I've been playing <laughs> Spiritfarer, and... Oh, I got I really it. stuck on a level that I just like had to put the game away for like a couple months because I was like, I can't do this. And then I came back and mm-hmm. it was fine. But um, Spiritfarer is a remarkable game and I recommend it to all of my listeners. If you haven't played it yet, what are you doing? Um, but I was really pleased when the main, that you're the main character, the character that you play is this young black girl. Yeah. And it's never like really like made a big deal out of like she just is. And mm-hmm. I just, Oh, I was so excited by that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you see that and you're like, oh, it really is that it's easy. It's just that <laughs> you know, fucking like, easy. Yeah, like what a concept. I know. It's like pretty cool. Mm. So uh, that game. Mm. God, that game. And there's there's queer it's themes so in that. Are you going to talk about that on Gay for Play? Yeah, I want to talk. I want to have an episode about it. And yeah, also like what a lovely game <sighs> in this year where we're like reflecting on death. I, I love obsessing over death yeah. <laughs> and thinking about like what happens to us when we die mm. and what, what dying means. And that is that game to a T. I mean, you're literally, you're, you literally take Charon's job and are charted with like making spirits cross over into the next world and accepting, accepting death. Yeah. And man, it's a lovely, lovely God, game to play into. so lovely. I mean, as someone, I know that for myself, like I experienced mm-hmm. a really big loss quite young. And I think like mm-hmm. I, my relationship with death is like complicated and all at the same time it sometimes feels like I I feel like weirdly ahead of someone my age like did you experience death early on or like is are you just curious I did yeah and it's interesting I like I think I kind of numbed myself away from it for a long time and didn't start to actively think about it until um my early adulthood and so it's been interesting seeing how I've like internalized my experiences with death and am now forming these thoughts about them yeah, absolutely. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious. I mean, life and death, it's all, you know, the same. If you could sit down with your younger self, what would you tell little Lawrence? This is like on RuPaul. Mm. This is your moment. What would Mama Ru asks you, what would you say? <laughs> what would Lawrence? you say to four-year-old Lawrence? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say don't be afraid to to strongly enjoy the things that you care about and that you enjoy i think that's kind of my ethos um in everything i do i i think similarly to you like i was afraid to like express my appreciation for video games and anime and all these like nerdy things because like i was a nerdy kid and i like strived towards um wanting to be cool and wanting to be accepted and i think in like late high school college early adulthood is when i finally allowed myself to just like fully be the fucking nerd anime weeb that I am and like people loved me loved me for it like you know like truly just like being your your authentic self is you know the way that you meet the people that you that are going to carry you through everything and like so yeah I would just like tell myself as a kid that like not to worry about these perceptions of what you need to be because like all that's gonna fall away and you're gonna find people who like cherish you because of like the weird things that you're into and not in spite of them so lovely uh did you ever have the talk yeah yes yes um i did it was like so brief and weird again like 
Catholic family, we don't talk about things yes. <laughs> explicitly. But I remember there was, like, this one time that, like, we were, like, driving to, like, a restaurant or something to, like, pick up food. And my mom and my sister went inside to pick up the food. And I was in the back seat and my dad was in the driver's seat. And then, like, I don't even remember what the conversation was. I think he, like, literally asked, like, hey, so, like, do you know, like, about, like, how babies are made? And I was, like... <laughs> Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I was like, it was way too late. I had already, like, you already knew. Sex education. And so, like, he was like, okay. And, like, kind of, like, awkwardly started to, like, lightly describe it. And I was like, uh huh. Okay, cool. And then, like, luckily, my mom and my sister got back in the car and we stopped speaking about it. And so, I think that kind of just, like, checked the box of, like, cool, we're, we're we done. I did. He done. did his <laughs> duty as a father. Yeah. <laughs> By that point, like, were you, you already knew about yourself or you were like, oh, this isn't relevant to me? I think I did. I can't remember exactly when this was, but, like, yeah, there was. I think there was that like inkling suspicion in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, you don't. Need this to is not this necessary. <laughs> Did you ever mm-hmm. receive any form of like formal sex education that was for you as a queer man? Or oh, do you identify as a man? Yes, okay. I do. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> no. That that's a shady thing to say. I think that um, there are men. Men can be good. Just, men can be good sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, like. I identify and still do, I identify as queer. I don't necessarily identify as gay because, like, gender, what is it? Like, and, like, truly I've experienced attraction to women in the past before and, like, but always it was in that weird thing of, like, I feel like bisexual, although I know it doesn't, implies this, like, 50-50 equal attraction and, like, I definitely am am more predisposed towards, like, men and people who present male. Um, But anyways, like, I remember, like, my like freshman year health class the only time that like it was even kind of remotely talked about is i had this really shitty like white dude who was like my sex ed teacher then but he just talked about like how anal is a thing (laughs) and like how it will like damage your anal cavity and you should never do it and i was like okay (laughs) Ew. so that's all i learned but i've always been a very precocious youth so like i like i i taught myself about like about like proper sexual health and STIs and um, how to protect against HIV and all these things. So like, I, I'm very pri- privileged in the fact that like I I seeked out knowledge and for the most part was able to like separate the like truth from the nonsense and not like go down a rabbit hole of like spooky lies. Mm. But yeah, it's shitty that in my like formal education I didn't get anything besides yeah. anal. Uh, where did were you like an internet sleuth? Where did you find this information? I was, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm just having an uncovered memory yes, now of like, yes. how I discovered porn. Yes! Yes! <laughs> and it was through, oh my gosh, I was Googling um, Harry Potter fanfiction. <gasps> I love talking about fanfiction! <laughs> and it wasn't even like sexual fanfiction, I was just literally looking for like more stories about Harry Potter. because You wanted more! Yeah, and somehow it linked me to like... I think it was, like, OkCupid. It, like, linked me to, like, some, like, fanfic that someone had written on the dating website OkCupid. But, like, on OkCupid, there was, like, a section where people, like, posted, like, sexual photos. And so, like, like I, like, accidentally went down this rabbit hole and, like, found... found Wait, isn't OkCupid, isn't OkCupid, like, really Christian? No, I'm thinking Match.com. Yeah. No, OkCupid was, like, the Wild West from what I remember. It was, like, it was... Very horny. Yeah, I remember um, Okay Cupid was kind of the precursor <laughs> to Tinder. It yeah. still exists. Okay Cupid's still there. Yeah. But I remember for a while too, like like whenever I wanted to like look at these images, <laughs> like I would Google Harry Potter fan fiction and then click the Okay Cupid link oh, and then, like, go Yes. There. I love oh, it. You boy. had your yeah, no, I remember specifically having my like channels of like finding the horny stuff that I wanted to look at when mm-hmm. I was uh, when I was younger. I was I was really privileged and I had a PC in my room. That my mm-hmm. parents like never like checked they trusted me too much and i would like i mean i would google like girls kissing and then it just kind of didn't become enough and then like i got on tumblr and then this Oof. the gifts and i was like this isn't porn i didn't watch porn until my freshman year of college oh wow yeah i was a little afraid of pornography but i did love fanfiction.com and like specifically i've told this story before but i wanted to tell it to you is that i was really obsessed with spring awakening fanfic the musical (laughs) spring awakening (laughs) fanfic uh specific pairings uh obviously the classic ones the canon ones but then specifically like melchior and moritz 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Vendla, Elsa <laughs> were my like oh faves. <laughs> so that I. Mm. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I love. I I love just like taking characters and being like, ooh, but what, what if they, they were really fucked? Together? I remember reading a oh, High School oh Musical fanfic once. Wow. Yeah. I've never written anything. Have you? <laughs> no, I haven't. I like. I started to, and then I was like, I'm not creative enough to do this. Yeah. Or nor did I have the. The closest I ever got to writing fanfic was the Twilight that you just saw. Which was incredible. Oh my gosh, thank I'm obsessed you. with the drunk readings. They, um, wow, what a, what a moment. Thank you. That means a lot. I care very much about them, and I, they're silly. My parents hated it. They didn't hate it. They, just, <laughs> they were like, they love everything I do, but they were like, we just wish it wasn't a party. We just wanted to have the mm-hmm. reading. <laughs> I was like, well, this isn't for you. <laughs> I feel like you deviated too much from the text. You don't even know Twilight. Oh my gosh, we've come to the end. I have to, we have to, I know, time just flew. It just went by like a blip. Wow. So do you have anything you'd like to promote? Um, yes I do. I think we alluded to it earlier, but... Um, our dear friend Eric and I started our podcast, Gay for Play, a video game podcast. Wow, it is, um, I'm, I'm so happy with it. Basically every week we take a video game and talk about its queer themes, why it resonates with queer people. Uh, we also plan to have guests such as yourself uh, come on and talk about a video game that was formative to them or a video game that resonates with them as a queer person. And it's a hoot and a holler. I've been having so much fun with it. Um, yeah, it's great. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now. Um, you should all listen yeah, to it. it it's amazing. I got to listen to it early because I'm a friend of the pod. But then I listened to it early, early access. access. And I listened to it again today while I was making my lunch. And it just it's still so wonderful. You and Eric are such delightful hosts. And uh, thank you. if people want to find you on the socials, where can they follow your brilliant Twitter? <laughs> Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Afroman76. It's a handle that I came up with when I was like in middle school and I've never changed it because well, it still you works. You have a beautiful so. afro and it suits you. So Thank you. you are the Afroman76. So that's great. Uh, I have one last question to take us out. Lawrence, Work. did that do it for you? Oh, it absolutely did it for oh. me. It, it's, it done did it for me. <laughs> in, out, and about. Oh my gosh. Well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For You is hosted and edited by Aurelia Grierson to the best of their ability. It is produced by Dante Tapo and Chandler Parrott-Thomas. Eleanor Hobson is our media and marketing manager. Our theme song is by Eric Solis, and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers. That Do It For You is a sex-positive podcast with naughty words and mentions of characters I do not own. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at That Do It For You. Be sure to tell your friends about us, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor, you can go to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community.